Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Like it's been already mentioned so many times today, it is paramount in our lives. It's so important, Lord. We just thank you so much that, uh, that you speak to us in so many different ways. Just the way it was even brought up last week with our three gentlemen that were up here talking about how you speak to us. And this is just another way through your word, Lord. And we just thank you so much for the opportunity to do this. It's not anything that we do. It's what you do. And it's what you say, Lord. We just uh, we thank you again. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I will say off the bat, just with this whole thing about trying to be fast, is like, um, at school, I teach at Cedars Christian School, and um, uh, Mr. Roland Rempel is another one of the teachers that teaches with me, and he is so funny, because we have this kind of unwritten rule when we're talking to the school. So if I'm talking, I, uh, he'll sit in the back, and what happens is you just get rambling, and you start going on a tangent, and then all of a sudden, there's this big stand-up like this, and two fingers, that means... Two minutes, wrap it up. So I'm hoping that I can wrap it up fairly quickly. And I also hope that I don't see that after I've been talking for only about five minutes, because uh, that would be rude. Um, all right, anyways, uh, so just talking about the grads today, and straight off the bat, congratulations. You know, it is fantastic. Like I said, it's not an easy road to take. There's lots of tests, there's lots of um, obstacles, lots of worry. And, uh, you know, you make it through it. With God's help, you can make it through anything. Uh, um, so the big question comes right now is like, well, what's next? What's next in your lives? And this is for, I'll tell you right now, grade 12s, it's a big worry. They mention it all the time. Oh, I don't know what road to take. I don't know what courses I should go to, um, which, which college I should take. I don't know if I should get a job first, take a week off, take a year off. I'm just not sure. And that brings a lot of anxiety. And, um, you know, I always start off when I talk to them about this kind of stuff. I just, the first thing I'll say is, hey, you know what? You will be fine. You will be fine. Um, and then I start off with some truths. You know, I go on to talk about, like, you know, how life's not fair or, you know, uh, um, uh, keeping good contact with your friends. Learn to mother yourself because your mother's not going to be following you around anymore doing that kind of thing. These are the kind of things I talk to grade 12s. But uh, talking about today, we're talking about the grads. And, like, we have ones that have um, done college programs. We have ones that... Uh, again, high school and uh, dogwoods and all the things. We have a wide variety of grads here today. And you know what? It's just fantastic. Every time we come to this time of the year as teachers, we just sit there and go, man, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, you start out like this, and then they get to this. And it's not just growing physically. You grow emotionally and maturity and all those types of things. And it's really neat to see. Um, so when I'm talking about what comes next, I always got to start out with one. I just say, you know what? You're turning a page on the stage of life. That's where we are right? You were doing something before, and now you're moving into something new. And if you look at the Bible, you know, there's lots of stories in there about all different situations, but one that came to mind as soon as they mentioned that this is what I would be doing, one just popped in my mind within five seconds. And that's a story that happens in, um, in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua. You have a group of people that are going from an old life into a new life. It's like turning a page on what they were doing before. They started out um, getting out of Egypt, this is the Israelites, they're coming out of Egypt, they cross the Red Sea, and then they, they uh, try and make it into the promised land, and it doesn't work out for them, and so now they're off to living in the desert for 40 years, and most people know this story. 40 years, wandering around, God teaching them lessons, teaching them hard lessons, teaching them lessons, teaching them lessons, and preparing them to move into the promised land. And so, as it's going along, it comes to this point in their journey where um, this is the time, they're about to move in. And so then there's a passage at the start of Joshua. I'm going to read it right now, and hopefully my stuff doesn't blow away. Ha <laughs> ha, Amy, I saw you do this, so that was a pretty good idea. Um, okay, so this is at the very start. Joshua 1, 
um, chap uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. And I'll read it really quickly. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Najiv in the wilderness, in the south to the Lebanon, mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you for as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from, the, uh, do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study the book of the instruction, the book of the law, continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you'll be careful to do everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, man, I, I love that. I, I love talking to kids about that passage. It's so awesome. Um, so... We're talking about, I'll give you three tips here today. Three pieces of advice. So here's the first one. In that little passage, there's something that's mentioned three times. Did you catch it? Did you catch it, everyone? What did he say? Eden. Hey, that's one of my students over there. He's awesome. Uh, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Um, you're going to have to go, these people are going to have to go into this new land. There's going to be um, things that are going to come at them. There's going to be armies that they're going to have to fight. They're going to be five times the size of them. They're going to have to fight against armies that are counted as, as numerous as the sands of the seashore. There's going to be walls that are huge that they're going to have to march around really sillily. Sillily, is that a word? PE teacher. Anyways, march around these walls and wait for it to fall down and they can go in and attack, right? Um, there's so many things that they're going to have to go and do. They have to be strong and courageous. And I'm going to call Kara up right now because she's going to talk on this a little bit, uh, a story that she has to tell. It's okay. I can just go on top. Good morning, everyone. In the parking lot and online at home, congratulations, graduates, and supporting families of graduates. Uh, when Greg first asked if Frank and I would be interested in speaking on graduation Sunday, uh, in my mind right away, I went, yep, Frank will do it. He's a talker. <laughs> and I'll be support services, right? <laughs> and uh, I went home, and over the next few days, I realized that God wasn't going to let me off the hook. And it just kept coming up for me that... He wanted me to talk about my experience when I was your uh, age, sort of from graduation to when I ended up in my current career. So here I am uh, doing this. Um, but I guess I, I would start just with mentioning that I started my high school at PJSS, just over here. And I was, you know, 
okay in school. I, I did well enough in school. I wasn't super outgoing and social, but I really liked sports. I came from a sporty family. And so we started in sports early and I fell in love with basketball. And so at PJSS, I was at a big school and I could play basketball and I loved it. And at the end of my grade 12 year, sometime during that year, I was approached by a coach and offered a spot to play college basketball in a community college in Alberta. I know you look at me and you think that maybe I'm not being truthful. Uh, but you know, they do let short people play guard. Um, and so uh, I was super excited and I considered it for a long time. But with me, it was challenging. It was super challenging for me. I started to think of all the things that I could put in the cons column, you know, fear of failing, fear of being away from home, you know, all of these things that I thought, I just, I can't overcome this challenge. And I said, no, I turned it down, not because I had anything better to do, but just because I was afraid. And, you know, I, over the summer, I knew I was going to go to post-secondary. I knew that I liked science and math. So without really having a hard plan, I uh, registered at the College of New Caledonia, CNC, and I started taking science and math courses because they were easy for me. I'd way rather write a two-hour math exam than a two-page essay. Like, no, it's not for me. Um, and so I, no clear paths, just taking courses. And in my second year, I met a friend named Lori, and she was one of those people that I wasn't, that was really focused. Like, she probably came out of the womb and knew that she was going to be a dentist. <laughs> and she was like, she had it all laid out and mapped out. And I thought, hey, we're in the same classes. Maybe I want to be a dentist, too. So I finished off my coursework, and I transferred to UBC, and I was pursuing dental school finishing my degree and I got down there and I started to look into it and I realized that they make you do a lot of hard things. They don't just let you become a dentist, right? And again, I felt that familiar challenge that, ugh, what if I don't make it? I have to go through this interview where they investigate me and talk to me for, I don't know, it felt like hours. It felt like there was going to be a light on and I was going to be sweating and you know, it was going to be really intense, and all the, the, the exams as well. And so again, at that point in my life, I just, I withdrew. Like, I withdrew from the challenge, and I thought, you know what, I'll just finish my biochem degree, and no plan again, just a no. And uh, I came back to Prince George, and I started working, nothing great. I got a part-time job at Blackburn Junior High working as a lab technician and it kind of just a job that fell into my lap. They had an opening and they needed someone last minute. So my job was to live behind the scenes and prep for um, the science teachers so that they could walk into the class and run their lesson. And while I was there, I heard from another tech at another high school in town that the College of New Caledonia was hiring a full-time lab tech. Now, I was getting married and 10 hours at Blackburn, that wasn't very appealing, right? So I thought, I'm going to apply. 
And I got shortlisted and I remember the phone call and someone from HR phoned me and I, they told me all of the information and I was super excited until the end of the conversation. And she said, oh, just so you know, um, all of the chemistry faculty and support staff are gonna be in the interview. So all my old teachers, everyone already knew me, which I think made it worse. The dean's gonna be there, someone from HR is gonna be there, and I'm like, oh my goodness. So I, I knew at this point that, you know, God was really asking me to put my toe in the water. And I got off the phone and I thought, you know, I need this job. I'm not gonna run from this, I'm gonna do it. And it was awful, like week or two weeks, like just going into, like finding a verse that I could almost like repeat like a mantra so I could do this, right? That I was gonna show up, I'm gonna do the interview. And you know what, it, I did, I showed up and it went okay. I mean, I still blush when I think of some of the answers I gave. Uh, but you know, I got a phone call saying that I was hired and I was super excited. Um, yeah, and I felt like uh, in that moment that you know, God loved me so much that he didn't want to let me live in that place of fear. Like, he really wanted me to trust him and to see some growth, right? And I felt like I had, I had done that. And there's, there's almost nothing that compares to that feeling afterwards when you've moved into that obedience and you've done the hard thing and you've overcome it. Like, it's such a good feeling. And, you know, I started my job and I was there for three days. Lab tech, background, behind the scenes, like that was good for me. And one of my old teachers, he'd come every day to the back room, because I work by myself, and just check in. And on the third day, he said to me, Kara, we need someone to teach a lab. Would you like to teach? No. No, but I had my answer because like I was new to the job, so I didn't want to spoil and make a bad impression, right? So I said, well, you know, his name was Ben, and he taught me organic chem, and so I had a lot of respect for him, and I said, you know, Ben, I'd really like to do it, but I feel like, you know what, lab tech is enough. I don't want to take on another part-time job on top of it, and, but really, I knew what it was. I was terrified. I grew up in a family of teachers. My mom's a teacher, my dad's a teacher, my brother's a teacher, my husband is a teacher. And if I didn't know what I wanted to do, I definitely knew what I didn't want to do. <laughs> and I did not want to teach. And I said, you know what, Ben, next fall, if a class comes up, I'll teach it thinking, there's no way there's going to be a job in another year. It's not going to happen, right? So I, I did my job, and you know what? That last week of August, the next year, teaching job came up. And Ben shows up, and he says, hey, Kara, remember last year when you said that you'd teach if something came up? Well, I felt like I had to do it and not I just felt like I had to because I said it, not for any other honorable reason. I just felt like I oh, couldn't disappoint him. And I think I went home and cried, right, Frank? Probably cried like a lot. And you guys are thinking, this is crazy. She's crazy. And, and I probably am. Uh, 
But I, I was being given opportunity that people battle for to get. I was being given this opportunity. And God was just saying, well, you put your toe in. Can I get you to jump right in? And, you know, I, I taught for a year. It was awful in some ways, but it was so fulfilling in others. Like, I realized that I can challenge myself. I challenge myself every day for a whole year. And there was a lot of growth, right? I could trust him. And I think I ended up now, like, after that, I end up with a full-time job there. I'm still working there. I teach. I reluctantly teach chemistry for a living. Uh, I love my students. I don't know. It's always nervous, nervous for me to do this kind of thing. But I'm so grateful to God that he didn't give up on me and that he really desired to see me grow and to overcome the fear and overcome this fear of challenge. And so that's what I want for you guys is when you see something, you know, clearly it's going to be different. But when you see it, these challenges that you don't fear them and that you trust God and really press into him and overcome the thing that, that scares you because there's so much growth that comes from that. So congratulations. Thanks, Kara. Is she awesome? She does so well when these things happen. She's so scared. You know, I'm really proud of her. And she's cute, too. So, awesome. Um, uh, so, being strong, or being a, uh, um, where were we here? Being strong and courageous, right? You know, the interesting thing, going back to what we were talking about before, is that, like, with the Israelites, they weren't strong and courageous the first time they tried to get in there, right? They already had an opportunity to get in the promised land, and they didn't do it. They, um... They, uh, they blew that one, actually. And so now they had to spend some time preparing. So it's interesting that um, the second time that they're about to go in, that God does this, and he says this three times. So in the Bible, when you're reading it, and you come across a passage or a couple passages a little length there that, where they repeat something three times, it's like God's sitting there, and he's bolding something, and he's highlighting it, and he's putting little stars around it, and he's saying, pay attention to this. It's super important. And why wouldn't he? They messed up the first time. This time... He wanted to make sure he emphasized it, right? Um, so the second one here, moving on, we're like, uh, so the first one's be strong, courageous. Um, the next and most importantly, this is what I'm going to talk about for a little bit here. I know you guys, we're going to go over time, and I'm going to really apologize for this, but all these little things kind of go fast here as you add up everything in a, in a service, right? Of course, my phone doesn't want to go silent. So a really important verse, one of my favorite ones. It goes like this. Uh, this is Joshua 1.8. It says, study this book of the law. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful in everything you do. So tip number two is study the word. Get in the word of God and be in it. Make it part of your life. Get into it. Spend your time there. The interesting thing is a lot of people think of the Bible as this big rule book. It's got rules telling you what to do and what not to do. But that is not it at all. The more you spend in it, it's actually a guidebook, and it's a guide to the better life. God's ways are always better, so it's good to know these ways. And the problem for most of us, including myself, I remember early on, never read the Bible very much until I got a little older in life, went to, went to church my whole life, but didn't spend a lot of time in the Bible. Um, we will not know what the good life is unless we spend time in there. We won't know what to do when situations come up. We need to spend time in it, and it's not a short-term thing. It's spend time in it over a lifetime. 
That's why you can look around in, when you're in church or in a group of Christians and you see these older Christian men or women and they have so much wisdom because they spent way more time in it. They know. Sometimes it's really good to go to these people when you want to ask questions because they have more of the word in them. Something that we should all be aspiring to do. Um, it doesn't really work. And this is how, like I used to do it sometimes too, is that it doesn't really work just to go to the Bible when you have a specific problem or an issue that comes up in your life. And now you're going to try and find an answer about that. Well, what does God want me to do today? That, that is not how it's really done. You spend time in it. If you do it that way, you can get the Bible to say almost anything. There's a passage in the Bible that says there is no God. You go in there and just pick and choose verses, you're going to be in trouble. We need to spend time in it. Talking with friends. Small groups. Small groups. A little plug for small groups, Pastor Greg. Um, memorizing it. Mumbling it. The Israelites, in older times, they used to mumble the word. Oh, they're just mumbling it with each other and talking and conversing and back and forth. And just by hearing these things and saying it, this gets into them. And then they start to understand um, a little bit more. I do not know where this is going to go. Jam it there. Um, it's not like any other book. And I, I got a little picture of what it's like in my head. And as much as I've tried to find one that would be like a good basketball analogy or like a, you know, a car engine and all the parts coming together, those don't work for me in this way. My picture in my head when I think of the Bible, it's like a quilt. A patchwork quilt. You ever got one of these quilts that your grandparents have given you? At one point, we have one in our basement right now where it's a big blanket and it's got little pieces of fabric, all different types on this quilt. Whenever I've ever thought of the Bible in this way, it just comes to my mind. And it's like, you don't get the lesson from just going to one piece. You have to look at the different parts. Um, it kind of works, uh, the quilt kind of works with the principles coming in all sorts of ways. Lessons on a topic, direct instructions, stories, love stories, I love telling stories. Parables, poems, similes, even songs. The Bible has a lot of different ways to talk to you. And as far as teachers, it's kind of funny that like nowadays what we try and do is try and teach stuff in a whole bunch of different ways so that you can reach every learner. Well, I guess God already had that in mind. He's so much smarter than we are, right? It took us like how many years to figure this out? He already knew this. We need to learn in different ways and get these different principles from different areas. When you talk about, um, like, I'll give you an example. When we watch or when you read about the story of Exodus, when they're getting out of Egypt, when they're getting out of Egypt, they, um, they cross over the Red Sea and all this stuff and the plagues that come along and the, the, the plagues beforehand and, and they, the, the plagues happen that, to oust them out, right? And there's not a lot of detail in a lot of these plagues, like how long they last and stuff like that. There's a lot of questions you could still ask about every single one of them. However, did you know that in Hebrews, there's another whole retelling of the plagues that's there and you can get a whole other picture of it. And then if you go to Psalms, and I just discovered this long, not too long ago, I'm not really a fan of Psalms. I know people are going to throw darts at me or something. When I was a kid, I didn't like Psalms for a reason, and I'll talk about that maybe in a minute. But in Psalms, there's another whole retelling of the plagues. Someone's retelling it, and I've learned so much more about the story of the plagues of Egypt from these other two passages. It's so unbelievable how the Bible works. It doesn't come at you straight on. You've got to spend time in it, if that makes any sense to you guys. Uh, picking and choosing a, a verse here or there does not give us the full picture. The full picture comes from the different angles, the different lessons, the different stories. As you read it over time, the principles for all sorts of situations begin to build into you. And this is the cool part. It builds into you and it's supernatural. And when questions or topics or these conundrums that come up to you, you don't go to the Bible. You have part of this word already in your, and the, and the Holy Spirit can use it. And this is the neat thing. Like, um, 
these questions, can, you'll, you'll, the, the, these things kind of surface. These ideas, these principles will surface in you and they just come to mind like this. Like I'll give you a really good example. I, was, I do a lot of reading of articles online just for fun. Like I like, like reading about what's going on in the world, politics and all kind of stuff. But the articles aren't what's important to me. What I read is the comments. You ever read the comment list underneath these things? When you go through the comments, you get to hear, like the articles, yeah, okay, it gives me a point of view on something. Article, they, people just start putting in their points of view and everything like that. And you can learn a lot there. It's really neat. However, there's a lot of wing nuts out there, and I probably could have been considered one at one point or another. There were, I was reading one one day, and I don't remember what the article was about, but this is what they were talking, uh, this is what the one poster said. He says, I don't give my respect until somebody earns it. And I read that, and I'm like, oh man, buddy, that's, that is not how the world works. That's not how we do it. We cannot do it that way. I, I mean, could you imagine if God did it that way? We can't be good enough for God until we earn it. He doesn't give us his respect. No way, that's not how it did. However, I read the next quote right after that. Someone replied to his and they said, someone has my respect until they do something to lose it. And I thought about that one. I said, well, that one sounds better. Could possibly have some truth to it. And I thought, and I went away from that and I kind of was thinking about him for a few minutes. And like, uh, for uh, you know, an hour or two after, I was thinking, oh man, that sounds right, but I don't know, there's something wrong with it. I can't figure it, can't put my finger on it, but there's something wrong with it. And then all of a sudden, and this is how it works. I couldn't believe it. All of these passages just start coming to my mind. And here's some of them that were, I listed when I wrote it out. Treat others better than yourself. Turn the other cheek when someone hurts you. Always be ready to forgive. Somebody steals your shirt, give him your jacket also. Someone asks you to walk one mile, walk two. Love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. He, it like heaps burning coals on their head or something like that at the end, Right? And I'm just thinking, now I realize that both those, those were way off base when you're talking about what God thinks. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of how it works. As you do it, these, 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 these things just surface in you. If you get the, if you're, if you've been reading the word and doing these things, it doesn't always work for that, by the way. I'll tell you, there's lots of times I'm sitting there going, oh, scratching my head, wondering what's next. But I'll tell you this, the best thing that I ever did, and this is a, um, did I pass the, oh yeah, I said we're studying the word. This is the long one. Sorry, you guys, we're going a little bit longer here. The best thing I ever did is um, I read the Bible from start to finish. We had some teachers at the school, and they said, hey, they came up to me one day in the foyer, and they said, hey, we're going to read the Bible all the way through in one year. Do you want to do it with us? And I said, I've never done that before. Sure, let's do it. I've done a lot of things in my life. I played sports at a high level. I got jobs and degrees and all that kind of stuff. I've done a lot of things. I never did this. Could you believe it? Been in the church since I was five years old. But... We, we read the chronological Bible, which is they put everything in order. So they start at Genesis and they end at Revelations. And then like some of the books are not in order. Like Job is back before the flood in, in, uh, in Genesis. That's where the book actually happens. Psalms, this was the neatest thing that I actually started to appreciate the Psalms, is they started dropping them in the book in different spots where they happened. So my problem with Psalms was this. When I read them, I was like, the, I'd read a psalm and I'd go, oh, Lord, you are so glorious. I walk and I love your love and I walk in the, and it's all so great and everything. And the very next psalm I would read was, dear Lord, gee, I just don't know what I'm going to do next. Everyone's around me. He's trying to kill me. And I'm like, I can't read that. I am not an emotional yo-yo. I do not like that at all. And so when I read the Bible chronologically, it dropped these things in where they belong. And one of them was like, you know, when, when David is being chased by Absalom and he's, in a, he's hiding out and then he writes this psalm that expresses how he feels. For the first time, it came to life for me, the psalms. And I actually really like enjoying watch, reading them now. 
Um, but I read the Bible from start to finish. Back to that. Sorry, I'm, I told you a tangent. Pastor Greg, I'm a tangent guy. Um, when you read it start to finish, you get the whole story. You get the whole thing. And then when you read other parts, they fit in. So, um, like, the example is that if you ever watched a movie trailer, have you ever watched a movie trailer and then said, oh, that's it, I got the movie, I don't have to even go now. No, you just got a little picture here and there. That's all you got. What about if you read a novel? Does anybody read a novel by looking on page 89 at that sentence at the top of the page and then flip over to page 219 and there's a paragraph there, they read the last two sentences of that paragraph. And then they, when they're done that, they flip over to the second page in the book and they read the, last, they read the first two paragraphs. Does anybody do that? We never do it. That's not how we read a novel. We'd never understand it. That question for me is like, I, I was like this. And I say, well, why would I ever do that? It doesn't, that, the Bible doesn't make its full sense to me when it does that. It, it, we do it with God's word all the time. We need to the whole overarching story. And uh, then we'll see how the parts relate and like how the pieces go together. You got to start with the whole story and then you can go in and talk about the little pieces, right? With friends or mumbling with people or, or talking in your small groups. It sure is helpful for me at least. Um, just to add a little bit more about the word, getting the word into you, there's a couple, two small little things here I just want to say at the end, just a little plugs for them. Number one, don't miss church. Church is another area in your life where the word gets pushed, like gets brought into you. You might not even like the sermon that week, but you know what? There might be a little seed or a little word that gets into you that not even surface until like two years later. Or it might add to a piece of knowledge that you already know. You never know how you're going to be touched. Go to church. Never skip it. Just another place to hear the word. It adds to your quilt. When we go on vacation, our family, we go to church when we're on vacation. We just do. Uh, Jerry and Linda Karpenko, when we go on vacation with them, we never miss when we're on vacation. Because we just, you get to go to another area and, and learn from other people who read the word and believe the same as you do, but they have different points of view and they have different um, experiences because of where they live. It just makes for some really great, I've had some of my best church services, actually one I can still remember was in Hawaii. Um, it was just uh, one that I'll always remember about this youth pastor. I don't want to go into it because I'm going faster. Um, the other one is uh, I always put a plug in for Christian music. It's just another place to be refreshed by God's principles, right? You hear the word goes into you. Some of, these, some of the best ways to learn is to listen to music and learn through music. They say that. They teach your ABCs. How do you teach you the ABCs? A, B, C, D, E. They, you learn them because you listen with music. So those um, principles are going in and you don't even know it. All right, so the one thing I will mention, though, when you are reading the words of that, make sure you come to it humbly. We don't know it all. What does God have to say? That's what we need to talk about, right? Don't think you know it all. I, I've done that. I've done that. I think I know an idea on a passage, and I read somewhere else. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I had it all wrong. What did Jesus say about those who thought they knew it all? The Pharisees thought they knew it all. I mean, I, I know where there's a passage in there that says he called them a brood of vipers, Right? Uh, even Peter, Peter at one point says, you know, when Jesus is about to die on the cross, he says, um, no, Jesus, don't do it. Don't do it. You don't have to do this. And what did Jesus say to him? Putting his ideas and emotions over God's word. Get behind me, Satan. That's what he said to Peter. I would, <laughs> oh man, I think uh, we can always get it wrong, right? You know, even pastors, you know, they can make mistakes. I feel bad when sometimes they're put on pedestals and they have to be perfect. They don't have to be perfect. God will use what we say. I'm probably going to say something suspect today. Some people are going to go, hey, wait a minute. I don't know about that. But you know, here's the thing. If you hear something that you don't think is maybe right or maybe a little off kilter, 
It's not on pastors. It's not on people who speak to you. It's on us, like you. It's on you. It's on like me when I'm listening. We have to go. It's our job as listeners to find, to study up, find out, look at all the parts that make up the quilt. If you want to, you can go off on a tangent and be upset, but really, it's up to us to actually make sure we're checking things out. Uh, okay, so that's section, that's part two. That's tip three. Tip three short, so don't worry. Don't fret all you guys that want to run off to the lake. This is directly to the grads. Okay, I'm going to talk to the grads here for a minute. You know this anxiety that you feel about what's next in your life and what's your next step? You know what? You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry where you end up or what path you take. If you are a Christian... Your purpose, your job, your reason for getting up every morning actually never changes. It doesn't change. Your job may change. You may do the wrong job and have to go fire, get out of that job and go to another job. You may pick the wrong courses to redo. That doesn't matter. Your actual purpose on this earth doesn't change. What did Jesus say the two most important commandments are? It's funny that this is a verse, this is a passage I'm using. It's Matthew 22, 34, 40. Guess what was the... Verse of the day on the Bible app today it was that verse. I couldn't believe it. I was looking at that the morning when I was in my bed sideways. I'm going, oh my gosh. I can't believe that God would just drop that on me because I was actually thinking, am I even doing the right stuff today? Am I going to talk about the right things? I still don't know, but I'm going to throw it out there anyways. So tip number three. Oh, sorry. In this passage, it's the Pharisees are trying to challenge Jesus and they're saying, hey, hey, hey. They're trying to trick him. And so they say, you know, hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus doesn't even skip a beat. He just immediately replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And uh, that is the greatest commandment. But then he goes on and says, and equally to that, equal to that a commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. So those two go hand in hand. They're the most important two commandments you could go with. And the, most, the reason they're the most important is because everything else flows out of those two. If you do those two things, nothing else really matters. It doesn't. Everything you do in your life will, repl- will revolve around those two things. Loving God, loving people. It doesn't matter if you end up as an executive in a multi-million dollar corporation, a laborer in a construction site, a, wi- a waiter over here at Pizza Hut, which I love their pizza, a professional golfer, stay-at-home parent. Your primary job description while you continue to walk on this planet is to love God and love people, whatever that might look like. I'm going to end up with two quick little stories here. One is, uh, there are examples of this. There's this TV show, I don't know if you've seen it, it's called Restaurant Impossible. And it's a story where, it's a, it's a show where these guys go on and they, um, they find these struggling restaurants. And they go into the restaurant and they, um, they help them with their business decisions and then they renovate their whole restaurant to something totally new that will have success. And it always does. This, I was just flipping through and I kind of came across the show. I have watched it before. And I saw this really interesting episode. It's about this older lady. She had worked some 40 years straight with just the worst broken down kitchen you would ever imagine. It was disgustingly deplorable. And she was spending for the last 40 years making meals for the poor. She was known in her little community in this inner city. And uh, Restaurant Impossible was going to go in and reno her whole place. It was amazing. They put all new, um, all new uh, appliances in. They... Uh, they helped her with all the issues that were going on. Like, with, like they had, like, there was, like, um, infestation and stuff. Cleaned it all up. They made this place sparkling beautiful. Watching the episode, most people would take away from the show that this is awesome. It's beautiful. She totally deserves this awesome new kitchen to keep doing the Lord's work. What stuck with me for, like, hours afterwards, I just could not get out of my head, was that this lady has been selflessly living for others every day for 40 years. They talk that she never took a day off. 
There was days she'd go in and things didn't work and she just switched it around, get some help, and she would do something different for the meals that she's planning on. It was like she did it every day. They never take a day off. I just say, you know what, one day she will stand before Jesus. And the reward and the honor she will receive will be unimaginable. It'll dwarf anything of a new kitchen. That will never be remembered. Um, the other section, I've got to keep that together because this one's worse. There's a, video on, there's a video on the internet. It's called The Little Old Man on George Street. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's getting kind of famous now. I show it all the time at school. But it's about this little old guy. His name's Mr. Gaynor. He owns a shop on George Street in Australia. And it's like a little market. It's like a, you know, the shops. It's kind of like a, a shopping street. And there's, like, if you go to Australia, you go to this, you go to this street because you want to spend time um, shopping there. It's really nice. It's kind of like you get the culture and everything. There's this little old man, Mr. Gaynor, and he owns a shop there. And for 40 years, oh, no, it's way over, it's over 40 years. They're probably close to 46, 48 years. He hands out tracks and asks people that walk by his store every day, at least 10 people a day, he goes to him and he says, hey, I want to make sure I get it right here. Hey, if you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? And then he gives him a track of information on, on Jesus. And he'd been doing that every day. 10 people a day he made a commitment to do for over 40 years. And you know what's so funny is like, if he missed a day because he was sick, he would do 12, 13, 16 the next couple days to make up. He never missed his 10 a day. It is an amazing story. I don't want to tell you all this stuff because I want you to actually go watch it. It is super. The story goes on to talk about the hundreds and thousands and even hundreds of thousands of lives he influenced. The guy who's trying to find him has heard all these different experiences all around the globe. He's a tr uh, an evangelist or something that goes around. And he's heard all these stories about this little old man lives on George Street. That's all he knows. And so he goes to Australia to find this guy. I'm not going to tell you anymore. Not his, he actually does his little, he, he, Mr. Gaynor actually talks about what happened to him that made him do this. It, it is so unbelievable. But anyways, the catch to the story is this. In the last few weeks before he died, he was interviewed by this guy. He died like two weeks after this. And he learns of the influence for Jesus from, this, from just being obedient, loving God. Oh, sorry, I missed my, my train of thought there. Um, and in this funeral, he finds out about all his influence. This guy tells him about all the stories that he's heard about him. Up until that interview, two weeks before he died, he had never heard of one single person who had ever changed their life to God. For 40 years, he did this. It, I, I just can't even, I can't even believe it, that you would not stop. He would not give up. He would not, he never, no one came back and said, hey, I changed my life to God. They probably, the hundreds of those people probably came back to Australia and never came in and even saw him. I don't know. I just, he had never heard. He started crying. He had never heard. What a gift from Jesus right before he died. Could you imagine? And I just sit there, up until the interview, or sorry, um, when, he, when he stood before Jesus, let's say, can you imagine the welcome he received in heaven? Most people didn't even know his name. But you know what? His name is known in heaven by everybody, I bet you. Could you imagine that many people you influence? I don't think I can imagine the response that happened there, even in my whole lifetime on earth. It would be amazing. So grads, I'm just going to finish up here. You know, as you turn this new chapter in your life, it really doesn't matter where you end up. You'll do great. You'll do great. You just got to go on. There's three things. Be bold and courageous. Study this word in every form possible that you get a chance to do it in. And love God and love others wherever you end up. Let's pray.
Dear Lord Jesus, you are so good. You are such a good God. You love us so much. You never leave us where we are. You always want to take us into something new. You always want to push us in doing into something that we don't want to do because you know what's good for us and you know what's good for your kingdom. And Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for the grads today and all the work that they put in to get where they are. We just pray that you'd bless them today and bless them in this week coming ahead. And Lord, I just pray you open up doors wherever they go. You are so good. We just thank you so much and thank you for the wonderful weather. And Lord, we just pray that as we go out today that we just soak in your word at some point. You're good. Thank you so much, Jesus. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen.